0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: The following production
2: is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective.
3: Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there listeners and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right folks, we are back this week. And Darren's going to be here later on and he is going to be joining Mary Ogle and we are going to be talking all about the Hollywood classic, Sunset Boulevard. Fillmore and more at its best. It is some amazing stuff. And the man who... Doesn't need to be filmed in black and white because he is living color at its best. Let me welcome my co-hoster tonight, Mr. Mike Gordon.
4: Howdy! Hey. Oh,
3: just you sound a little record, scratchy there.
4: <laughs> yeah. Just for the record, I'm still big. It's the podcast that got small.
3: Oh, makes so much sense there. So much sense. You outgrew the podcast. You you just grew and grew and grew. It's pretty darn awesome. But yes, it's gonna be an adventure to talk about this one. I actually have never seen this movie before this week. And which is amazing to me because I, I'm a classic movie fiend. And it's just I just realized it's just like, no, this one I hadn't seen. It was all new. So it's pretty awesome. So it should be a lot of fun. And we also have, you know, a new victim this week in the geek seat. And it's pretty awesome. We have a young lady joining. Her name is Liz Priestley, and she is going to be appearing right next to Eldris Alba. And she's going to be in the new film called Concrete Cowboys coming to Netflix in 2021. She is going to be joining us. It'll be very interesting to see. So it should be a big show tonight. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Let me know how you guys are doing, are getting ready for the holidays, you're getting ready for Thanksgiving, or if you're in Canada, are you getting ready for Thursday. So it should be real interesting to see. So we have a lot going on. And, you know, we just want to say thank you. And we appreciate you guys being here. Uh, of course, we could be found on any social media, we have a great Facebook group. We don't promote the Facebook group of, enough we have you know for eso network but we also have an earth station one page where we post all our episodes up there and we also have an earth station one website now that is exclusive episodes of the earth station one podcast going back quite a bit now so you know we'll eventually be adding more and more older shows up there but i think we're almost 100 episodes up there so That's quite a bit. And, you know, we've been doing this forever. So it should be a lot of fun. So definitely check out earthstation1.com. It's a great website to check out. Also, we are up on any of the media players where you, if you're listening on Amazon, if you're listening on Apple, if you're listening on Google or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio, thank you. Please, you know. Subscribe to us if you're finding us for the first time and leave feedback. It takes two seconds to give us five stars. We'd really appreciate it. Also, a big shout out to our friends at our Patreon. That's right. Our patron listeners, we have a brand new episode of the ESO Board Silly podcast. Number eight is out and we talk about the board's adventures into Thanksgiving. It's a lot of fun. We get to find out about what Mike and Michelle are doing. We get to find out what Mary is doing. We've got to find out what Kevin and Felicity try to do and torture meat. And we get to find out what Judy and I are doing. It's pretty cool. And, you know, it's exclusive only to patrons. And for as little as 25 cents a week, you could help support the ESO network. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. Doesn't take that much time, folks. Also, real quick, thank you to our wonderful sponsors at Tifosi Optics. Tifosi Optics is a great place to get gamer glasses, sunglasses, sport glasses, and even safety goggles. It's pretty cool. Tifosi Optics is a proud sponsor of Earth Station One. And if you go into Tofosi Optics and get the coupon code of ESO Network, you get 10% off your order. Not too shabby. Thank you for everyone who's been taking advantage of that. And thank you to Optics. Go to to get some really cool glasses. And now it's time for our interview segment and Geek Seat part. Let's welcome to the show our new friend, Liz Priestley. Welcome to Earth Station One.
5: Thank you for having
4: me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Welcome to the station. Uh, for those people who may not be familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: Well, I'm an actress uh, born and raised in Philadelphia, and I have been for the last 25 years doing uh, various stage productions in Philadelphia and New York and some other places um, on the East Coast. But um, as of this year, I am making my film debut alongside a little known actor named Idris Elba. You might have heard of him. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool thing to be able to kind of brag about. I get to brag about it now officially. Uh, but yes, I'm making my film debut as his wife in the new movie concrete cowboy, which was shot here in Philadelphia and is making its debut on Netflix next year. So that's me.
4: That is awesome. Congratulations on all of that.
5: Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited. Now,
4: how did that how did that come about? Um what's that process like? As far as as far as, you know, how how long had you been trying to get into like to do a
5: film? Well, you know, it's funny. I've wanted to be a film actress specifically since I was about 7 or 8. About 7. Um, I just, you know, I was always enthralled with the whole movie making process. And when I was a kid and I figured out like, oh, you can play pretend for a living and get paid to do that. And like, that just was the coolest thing to me. Um, like I said, I've been doing, you know, 25 years of theater, uh, because that was the, the most easily accessible thing to me. Um, Because, you know, I'm based in Philadelphia, and there's just not a lot of film or TV shows that are filming here, typically. Um, But I, you know, the last, like I said, 25 years, I've been building uh, credits on my resume. And that was my goal was, you know, maybe someday I'll make it out to LA and make it out to, you know, an agency or something like that. But in the meantime, I need to stack some, some credits so they see I'm working. So I was doing that. Um, And then also working, you know, nine to fives, trying to put food on the table and pay bills and all that. And then about two years ago, I decided um, I was in a, in a good position where I could kind of really devote my full time and attention to pursuing film. And so I found a manager and I signed with her and she started sending me out on auditions. And so I booked a few commercials which is really cool. Um, And, and then I actually got a part on a TV show and it's so funny because it's so cliche. What happened to me? I, I got a part, a small part on the show, Jessica Jones on Netflix Oh, yeah. Went up to New Very York cool. in Brooklyn. Yeah, I was I was pumped. I was like, I am tied to the Marvel Universe. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> you are in
4: the connection. MCU. Congratulations.
5: <laughs> like, Thor and I have a connection now. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, I went up to New York, did the whole episode. I shot it, and it was great. And then bragged to everyone that I could that I will be on this show, on this episode, you will see me. And then, of course, I get the call a couple months later. Oh, Miss Priestley, we are so sorry. We had to cut your part for time. And I'm like, oh. oh. Wow. So no one got to see it. But um, yeah, it was a bummer. But the commercials themselves were really fun. I got to do several of them. And I got to travel. And that was really cool. And then <clears throat> while I was filming a commercial for the Pennsylvania Lottery, <laughs> my manager called me up. She said, hey, I have another audition for you. I'm going to send a script to you. And it was for a film. And I was like, sure. And um, right away, I knew something was weird about it. Because usually, they'll send you, like, a scene. And you maybe... I have literally done auditions, like, gone all the way up to New York. Just to get in the door and say, What do you mean you shot my husband? Thank you. And that's it. And then you go home. That's it. Like, getting up there was longer than the audition, you know? Um, But this, they sent me for whole scenes and said, you need to know them. So I was like, hmm, interesting. Um, And I'm looking at it and it said, you know, a cowboy movie shooting in Philadelphia. And somewhere in the ether, I was like, I remember hearing Idris Elba, cowboy movie, something about Philadelphia, but I did not put the two together. And I don't know if my manager knew at the time. And if she did, I'm grateful that she did not tell me um but yeah i and i you know i've done film auditions before but this was different in the sense that well number one i didn't think i was up seriously for the part uh i and two i had seen the casting person several times and she she had called me in for you know very happy cheery upbeat parts and this was the opposite of that in fact in the script this part was written it said she looks and acts as though she's lived a hard life. And I said, ooh. So I said to my manager, is it all right if I go in looking a little rough? She said, go for it. So I, you know, I went a little method, which is not something I usually do. But, you know, I I, I did. I stayed up for a few days. Made myself look real haggard. Had some makeup help. And um, I went in, auditioned, did the thing, left. A couple days later, I get a call back. So then I'm like, let me do a little more digging on this. And that's when it kind of hit me. Oh, this is the Idris Elba movie that everyone's been talking about. And at that point, we had seen news reports of him riding horses around Philadelphia. And I'm like, hmm. So then I look at the script again, and I'm like, well, it's about a 15-year-old boy who's traveling to Philadelphia to see his father. He's obviously not playing the 15-year-old boy. So I think he's playing the father. Hang on these scenes are all with the mother. And then I go, I'm definitely not up for this part. They must be looking for a stand-in for Carrie Washington or somebody. Like they must be. Like they're not going to give the part to some unknown Philly actress who has no film credits. So I go in, I do the second audition and I leave. And um, like two days later, they call me and they said, look, uh, the director would like to meet you at the next callback, yes, you are seriously up for this part. Um, So just go in, do your thing and just realize, you know, this is, this is, this is real. And it got back to me that at that time, um, there was a conversation happening behind the scenes where the producers were like, we should get a name in here so we can, because the pandemic wasn't a thing yet. So they were like, we need to guarantee butts and seats, you know, And the director was like, I've seen her tape. I like her. I want to go with her. So there was a little bit of a thing going. Um, and then I went in for the third <clears throat> audition and I met him and he shook my hand and I walked out of there being like, well, I felt good about it, but you know, who knows? And then the next day, the casting person called me and told me that I got the part and it didn't sink in. I was just like, Oh, thank you so much. That's nice. Thank you. You know, it's like, <laughs> what? You know? <laughs> but that was the process. It was, you know, three auditions and then I got it. So yeah. Very nice.
4: Very nice. Uh, I've heard the audition process can be nightmarish overall. So it sounds like yeah, that one was uh, that one. Well, it had a good thing at the end, right? So.
5: Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, it was funny because the scenes that they had me doing, I had to be crying for, I mean, I was crying and I'm not one of those Pretty criers, like I, you know, I got like the <laughs> snot happening, and you know, it's like really ugly. So I had been doing that for forty-five minutes straight at the last audition, and uh, so I mean, at this point, I was, like, <laughs> you know. And then after, you know, he comes over, shakes my hand, and he's like, "Thank you so much." And I'm like, "Thank you." And he's like, "Oh my goodness," she smiles, like because it was the first time he had ever seen me crack a smile. And I was just like, yeah, I'm doing it. Good, <laughs> good. You know, God <laughs> Lord, she smiles. You know, it was intense, but
3: you probably probably were also dehydrated oh, from all the not believe. Not-
5: I mean, yeah, it was it was brutal. I was nauseous like the whole time. It was. I mean, I really did put myself through it, and it might have been unnecessary. Honestly, it probably was unnecessary because um, they ended up changing the character, <laughs> so. Um, at that point she was written as, you know, someone who had struggled with drugs and the scene that I was auditioning with, she was going to rehab and there was a whole thing and they chucked all that and they made her a, a nurse, um, you know, a professional woman who's just at the end of her rope. And I was much more ready to play that. You know what I mean? Like that, that felt more realistic to me, and it was actually closer to the source material because it's actually based on a book, um, which is called Ghetto Cowboy. Um, and so I was glad they went in that back in that direction, but yeah, uh, initially I was like, I'm really going all out here, <laughs> just want you to know, I can do it, you know. <laughs> so, yeah,
4: so where in the process are you? Have you already shot the movie? And is we it- have
5: shot it, we shot it in um, August of 2019. Okay. And we shot in 28 days. So uh, what was that
4: was, process like?
5: Uh, I mean, so it was my first film, but they were right. telling me this is like lightning fast. Films don't usually go this fast and I was just like, sure. Um but it was wild, you know. I show up and they're like, "Please, let's take you to your trailer." And I'm like, a "What?" Like I'm thinking there's going to be a dressing room where they hold all of us, you know, and they're like, "No, there's a trailer with your name on it, you know." Um and of course then Nowhere in the audition process did I meet Idris or my son, who's played by Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things. So somewhere in the process in a normal movie, we would have met to make sure that I didn't look too short or whatever. Um, That didn't happen. So my first day on set was my first day meeting them. And it was I mean, they were very kind To me and that they gave me my first day was a scene where I had nothing to say I just had to react and I was like thank you because if I had had to speak that day it would have come out as uh, uh," you know like it just wouldn't have worked uh but it was it was wild I mean um it's a cowboy movie so there are horses everywhere and they're beautiful beautiful creatures but I am highly allergic and oh. so is Idris and so is Caleb. So there was a fair amount of sneezing going on. Wow. Um. And then, you know, I met Caleb and 10 seconds later, we're up on a horse together with my arms around his waist because I'm in the back. And I'm just like, hi, you're a 17-year-old kid and I've known you for 10 seconds. Hello. You know? <laughs> and then, so they get us up on the horse and then they move our horse up to this other horse. And I turned to my right and there's this gorgeous man just staring at me, smiling. And I'm like, (laughs) 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 and he's, he looked at me and I said to him, I was so overwhelmed. I was just like, well, hello, husband. And he was like, "Uh, hello, wife. And I almost fell off the horse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> but uh yeah no he's he's awesome he's so sweet and so funny and um we have method man is also in this movie so uh philly was very the the philly people came out in droves to catch glimpses of method man and idris elba and they were you know sitting around a campfire with actual cowboys because this this movie you know it's a father and son story but it actually is based on a true community, the black cowboys of Philadelphia, they're real.
4: Is it a modern story or?
5: It's a modern story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, And uh, so they were all sitting there and, you know, Method Man is rapping and Idris Elba's rapping and I'm just sitting there like, you know, (laughs) Uh, but no, the, the black cowboys, this is why I'm really excited for people to see this film is because um, this is a real community and I'm Philly born and raised and I had no idea that it was a real community until I did this film actually but um, we shot our movie at Fletcher Street Stables in North Philly and a lot of their cowboys play cowboys in our film which is really cool and um, yeah I'm, I'm excited for people to do kind of a deep dive into their history and and to see where they are not just in Philly they're in major cities everywhere and they've been here since the Civil War and people just don't know about them myself included yeah. myself included that is awesome. but yeah it's awesome yeah
4: it it's very cool and uh yeah i'm i'm really interested in in seeing this and and checking it out um and and kudos to them um i don't know uh you know if the director and the writer have strong philly ties but kudos to them for using local talent mm-hmm. and and making it as as uh authentic as it could be right yeah. that it's that it has philadelphia represented
5: yeah i i hope to work with ricky uh staub is the director and and co-writer um i hope to work with him again for like several times over in my career because he's just such an awesome dude and you know he's not from philly but he lived here for seven years and he you know was like in a cab one day and some guy on a horse rode by and he stopped the cab and followed the guy (laughs) sat down with him and was like tell me your story went back to his writing partner, sat down, and they wrote this beautiful story based on a book and throwing in some of these other guys' stories. And then it happened, they, they went to their agent with this script. Their agent is Idris Elba's agent. And Idris, at the same time, was like, I'm really looking for stories that uplift the Black community, so bring me scripts like that. And his agent was like... Hey, I've got this script, you know, it's Ricky's first film also. So we got to bond over that as well because we were both just feeling the pressure, but it was a wonderful experience. And I just am so grateful that he took a chance on an unknown. You know what I mean? Like.
4: Absolutely. And he, and he went to bat for you too. That's that's great.
5: Like I I can never say enough wonderful things about (laughs) that man for, for doing that. So, yeah. I love it. So
4: so how can we check it out? Is it uh, it available uh, soon?
5: It will debut, I'm told, on Netflix in early 2021. Um, So I'm thinking January, February. Okay. Um, Yeah, it it was at the Toronto Film Festival and kind of did that thing for a little bit. And yeah, COVID really, you know, as everything Uh, else, it really changed the plan here. So, um, but yeah, so uh, as of two weeks ago, Netflix swap the rights and uh so it'll be coming out next year early next well, year very
4: cool we'll yeah. definitely look for that uh we'll get a, a link in the show notes too so that people can check it out um but mike i think it's time i think she you know she's she's <laughs> over the moon about her experience uh on her first picture but uh you know i think we're gonna <laughs> gonna ruin that mood Nope. I think
3: we're going to ruin it right now, nope. but the, th- the great thing with her being in a cowboy movie, she's used to probably being lassoed and everything, so she could be tied down. She could be tied down to the geek seat, so it's perfect, you know? Oh,
4: yeah, yeah. She's used to rough rides, is that what you're
3: saying? Exactly, there you exactly. go. You know, exactly. Well, my part, I
5: will say, my part on the horses was limited, so I'm not the actual cowboy cowboy in this movie, but. I'm just the disgruntled mom that's like, go to your cowboy father.
6: <laughs>
5: I did get on a horse, so I could do it a little bit. So yeah.
3: Okay. So all right, Lizzie, ready for your first question in the geek scene. So ready. All right. What was your favorite geek out moment?
5: Um, my favorite I have left to say, geeking out over Idris Elba in the story I just told. Because that I That was my I prediction. That was my prediction right there. I literally <laughs> had to hold on to Caleb McLaughlin for dear life because I almost fell off that horse geeking out over how he's I'm geeking out now like he's he's so beautiful up close and then he's like nice and charming and funny and you're like where's your flaw so yeah that would be it for sure oh
3: that is awesome that that you know would be anybody's you know you'd be just like oh you know
5: (laughs) Yes, he travels so, with his own spotlight and angel I, choir. Yeah,
4: I would fall exactly. off my horse. I would fall off my horse if I. Oh, did.
3: I totally <laughs> would fall off my horse.
5: <sighs> it was hard. It was hard work, guys.
3: Oh, I feel I feel for you. I really do. What was your most disappointing geek up moment when you rode off into the sunset away from?
5: Him? <laughs> uh, I will say probably the fact that I only had one day, a day and a half, really to be more accurate, shooting with Idris. Only because he was so awesome, like he, like y'all, I can't. He, I have to tell this one real quick. At one point, he said to me, "He said, said, 'What would I know you from? What other movies have you been in?'" And I said, "Oh no, this is my debut." And he was like, "Really? I get to be in your film debut?" And I was like, "I just fell in love." Like,
3: you're like, oh, tear. It's like, oh. I know, and his
5: his lovely wife was like ten feet out of frame, so I couldn't like geek out the way I wanted to. But
3: you know, it's okay. It, it's okay. Your mind is a wonderful thing, and it's yes. great to do it. <laughs> what geeks you out the most?
5: Um, I'm a sucker for really good stand up comedy. I will geek out over that all day, and I love like old stand up. Um, I love like political stand up. I love like, heli- I just, I love stand up comedy. And anytime I find something new on like Netflix or whatever, I do. I geek out over it. I don't, I don't know if people do that, but I do.
3: No, that's awesome.
5: That, <laughs> I think it's great. But, you know, I'm you a know, terrible comic I, though. So
3: your timing isn't as great as these guys up on the stage. No, no. not comedy wise, but acting wise, you're an expert. You are totally okay. an expert. Yeah.
5: I'm a genius? No, I'm kidding. Of course, totally kidding.
3: <laughs> what turns your geek off?
5: Um, in general, or does it have to be movie related?
3: It could be whatever you wish. This is your set. Honestly,
5: the first thing that came to mind, and I, I, I don't mean to take it here, but any form of racism turns my geek off. It just, I, I'm, it infuriates me. It infuriates no. me. So, no, yeah.
3: I, I do understand that, and it's almost becoming too popping I, up again.
5: It's, you know, and you know, I I I had someone say to me to my face the other day that they did not believe that there was a systemic racism problem in the United States. And I said, "Well, it, that's your opinion, and if that's what you believe, I don't know how to continue this conversation with you. So I'm going to excuse myself." And I left because I was just like uh, 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 uh.
3: And they said that to your face? <laughs> wow. Yes. You you probably exploded right there. I'm just sure. Just a
5: little bit just a little bit i mean you know so that turns my geek off i'll say
3: no totally understandable (laughs) totally this is your segment you can answer it anyway it doesn't have to be about movies it could be about whatever the thing
5: is most of them will probably be about movies because i'm that geek but you know
3: you know what (laughs) you're right in our wheelhouse so that's okay there so it's perfect no this is awesome what fictional character would you like to meet the most
5: um, oh man, that's great. This is really, I uh, hopefully not super controversial, but Annalise Keating from mm. How to Get Away with Murder. I, no, I, I, that's cool. that's I awesome. am fascinated by that character. And I love that actress, of course. And not just because people keep my whole life have been like, you know who you look like? Yes, I know. I know who I look like. When my hair is short. Not
3: like Okay. Yeah. Not with your flowing locks. No,
5: no, <laughs> no, no. No. Uh, no, I love her, and I think that character is just amazing. But I have so many questions because she's also kind of despicable. I have a lot of questions.
3: Oh yeah, I could see that. I totally could mm. see that. What fictional character would you like to meet the least?
5: Ah, uh, oh, he's not fictional. <laughs>
6: You
3: can, see, you can name Jack them. the Ripper.
5: He's not fictional. Um. <laughs>
3: no, that's good. If you want that to be yours,
5: you know. No, you know who else I would say he is fictional is uh, Quinn oh, wow. okay. from Jaws. I would not want to meet him. Really? Yeah.
3: That's a first. That's awesome. Chew, the, the nails in the chalkboard, right? That's what me. does it. Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, that's
5: yeah. Oh, not, uh, not, uh, uh, not a
3: not uh, a not a good first impression.
6: Uh,
5: uh, uh, I'm looking at him like, yeah, what's that?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. So, yeah, you know, and he becomes fish food anyway. So it's okay. Yeah.
5: And Mm -hmm. I'd be like, I'd be looking at him. I'd be like, no, you're the first to go because you have a bad attitude. And I don't, with all that.
3: Yeah, exactly.
5: Yeah.
3: I could see that. Okay. That's a good one.
5: Thank you.
3: What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote or pose?
5: Oh my goodness, don't make fun of me for this, but it's Goonies <laughs> that's, that's never say cool. die.
3: <laughs> oh that's awesome. That is awesome. You don't know make what? Fun of me for that. <laughs> you know what? The the great thing about that is that, you know, we'll say we'll make fun of you behind your back. We won't. Yeah, do no, don't do touch
5: my face. <laughs> uh, I was huh? I was drinking out of my Goonies mug this morning. I, I do. I love the Goonies, and I say that a lot to people. Is Goonies? Well, are
6: so
3: good. I actually took a trip to Astoria, Oregon, just to see the sh- the shooting locations and area.
5: Really? Oh, see, now that would be a bucket list thing for me. Absolutely.
3: Oh yeah, because <laughs> it's fan. it's it's a little over an hour and a half outside of Portland, and it's mm-hmm. it's an easy drive. They also filmed uh, Kindergarten Cop there too, so it was oh, just yeah. like. <laughs> And so it's just like, (laughs) oh, that's the school. Oh, that's where so-and-so lived from Goonies. That's where the boat was. That's where, you know, so
5: cool. Yeah. So
3: it's, it's pretty awesome.
5: I'm a huge Goonies
3: fan. Okay. That's awesome. What is your ideal geek occupation?
5: I mean, actress. I've, I've really, I've never wanted to be anything else.
3: <laughs> Obviously since the age of seven.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I've done, I've worked in every industry you could possibly think of literally. And I've never wanted to do anything else.
3: That's awesome. That is very cool. I could see that.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Cool. What geek occupation <laughs> would you not like to do though?
5: Uh, trash, trash. I, I worked in the trash department and I didn't, I was not part of the sanitary pickup crew, but I would never, I will never do that. I'm like, no, you all have my respect and I see why they pay you well, because that is a horrible job. (laughs) I
3: could see that. I could definitely see that. Are you ready for your final question, Liz? Yes. Okay. This is for all the marbles. So this will make this one really count. There's no pressure on you. Zen. Come on. Total Zen.
5: Okay.
3: Okay. Think of Edris on the horse next to you. Yeah.
5: I mean, with his shirt open. Did I mention there were buttons open on the shirt? And the costume designer did that on purpose. Because she knew I liked him. And so she walked up to him and she was like, before the take, she's like, let's just, just undo a couple of these. And then she walked by me and she goes, you're welcome. And I was like, oh, oh because she knew i had to get up all close i was like you jerk
3: (laughs) (laughs) and you're sneezing and coughing from the horse and you know know. it was so
5: bad like the the three of us together it's like getting through our scenes we're like and uh no i'm good one more time you know it's like that for a day
3: (laughs) that is awesome that is awesome okay liz What is your ultimate geek fantasy?
5: I would like to do a film uh, with, I would like to work again with Idris Elba, but I would also like to bring in like Channing Tatum and maybe George Clooney just for fun and Viola Davis because I love her. And then we need like mm, a villain. So I don't know, like a really good villain like Tilda Swinton or, yeah, she's great.
3: Oh, she is awesome. She yeah. is awesome.
5: Yeah. I want to do a movie with those people and um and then I want to win an Oscar for it.
3: Okay. That is the ultimate geek fantasy. I <laughs> think
5: that, is, uh, really that is that
3: is really good. <laughs> that is awesome. You know, she's not, not asking the for the animation. world. <laughs> you know, she's not asking for the world or anything.
6: She's
5: just No, asking, I mean, you know. Yeah. I you know, know guys, totally let's just make it happen. Like what's yeah. what's the holdup?
4: Hey, well, if you're gonna dream, dream big.
3: You know, we have, we have, we have connections. We'll put you in touch. It's perfect. You know,
5: (laughs) I appreciate that. No, you're right. Dream big. Because, you know, I, I, I said this to my daughter uh, who's now 13. I said a year uh, before in August, 2018, I was sitting in a movie theater and I was watching the movie, the mountain between us with Idris Elba and Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. And I was in the theater, and I said out loud, because no one was sitting around me, I was like, man, how do I get to work with him one day? And one year and one week later, I was on a horse with him. So, yes, dream big, because what
3: happened? Well, now that you put it out into the universe, George Clooney's going to be calling in a year and one day. Jane so that's going Jane to be We know where that's going. Well, Liz, I've got some great news for you. You've made it through the Geek's (laughs) Teak. Congratulations. Mr. Mike Gordon, tell young lady what she's won.
4: You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth (laughs) $20.08. Awesome.
5: I'm so happy. Thank you. We
4: are so happy to have you with us. Um, Great story. Great, uh, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing concrete cowboys. Uh, I really am. And, Yay. uh, and knowing after talking to you, I, I imagine it's going to be even a better experience for me. Um, but not as good as it was for you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anything can but, top just elbow uh, shirtless on a horse, but we can try.
4: We so can that's try. coming out early next year. Is yes. there anything else you want to promote? Um, anything personal that you want to promote or anything like that?
5: I mean, you know, I'm I'm chilling right now because COVID. But you can always just follow me on Facebook at Liz Priestley, and if I have anything going on, that'll be the first place that I put it. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, we will definitely
4: have. Following you as we speak. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank Thank you you so
5: much. Thank you so much.
3: This has been awesome. Let's take a break, break, and we will be back in a moment. And we are going to be looking at Sunset Boulevard.
1: This is Ashley Pauls with this week's box office buzz. One of the biggest rumors going around right now in terms of entertainment and pop culture is whether or not the Wonder Woman movie will be premiering on a streaming service instead of or in addition two coming out in the theater. And this is really huge because Wonder Woman 1984 should have been one of this year's biggest blockbusters, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic, it had to be moved multiple times. And then with the future being so uncertain, the film company is maybe wondering, should they go ahead and release it on digital? And it's definitely a tough question because Wonder Woman is my favorite superhero movie. I really want to see this movie if they premiered it on streaming exclusive. Yeah, I would pay to watch it, but I would really prefer to see it in the theater. But then again, another but is that you not everybody in the country is in a spot where theaters are open or feel comfortable going to them even with social distancing practices. So, we're just in a really strange time. I feel like a broken record I keep saying that this year, but we really are in unprecedented times and It's impossible to know right now how this will impact the entertainment industry going forward, but I feel like if they do decide to release Wonder Woman digitally, this will be a good kind of litmus test to see how much people are willing to pay to watch a big blockbuster at home. Will it be $20, $30? What is the breaking point that people are willing to pay? We'll be really curious to watch what happens with that movie. Speaking of watching things digitally, I'm excited because as a Star Wars fan, Disney Plus this week is coming out with the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. The Star Wars Holiday Special is a big guilty pleasure of mine as a Star Wars fan. It's terrible, but it's so bad, it's hilarious. And I think every Star Wars fan should watch it, but I think that the Lego... Star Wars Holiday Special is going to be super fun. The little Lego shorts that they do are always super funny, tongue-in-cheek. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, we're working our way through The Mandalorian Season 2. It's been really good so far. Love how they're working in some of the characters from the animated series. No spoiler, but if you're a fan of the Clone Wars and Rebels, you're probably pretty excited about one of the characters who appeared in The Mandalorian last week. Well, that's it for this week's Box Office Buzz. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog on the ESO Podcast website, where this week I'll be writing more about the Star Wars Holiday Special.
4: Transmission commencing.
7: This is
2: Wookiee Radio.
1: Translated
2: for the Wookiee in I like that Wookiee. Your hosts, Ken, Derek, and Mike, bring you the latest news and commentary from the far reaches of the galaxy. Ah, hold it. Hold it. I said hold it. Subscribe today on iTunes and Stitcher. I just assumed it's a Wookiee. Start listening today and remember... The Force will be with you always. For speaking. I'm talking from the bedroom of Norma Desmond. Don't bother with a rewrite, man. Take this direct. Ready? As day breaks over the murder house. Yes, you'll read the big black headlines about Norma Desmond and this Hollywood scandal. But you'll never read the true story about the rest of us who were part of it. Me, for instance, Joe Gillis, a promising young writer from Dayton, Ohio. And Betty, that nice kid I met at a Hollywood party, who knew nothing about me but knew what she wanted. Don't you love Artie? Of course, I love him. I always will. I'm just not in love with him anymore. What happened? You did? Well, we should have lived happily ever after, like they do in the movies. But this was different. Because this is a Hollywood story about the people who make the movies. The little ones that you never hear of, like Betty and me. The great ones, like Cecil B. DeMille. All those who knew Norma Desmond. A strange woman who left her mark on all of us. Who crossed her path. Has it ever occurred to you that I may have a life of my own? That there there may be some girl that I'm crazy about?
0: Who? Some car hop or a dress extra?
2: What I'm trying to say is that I'm all wrong for you. You want a Valentino. Somebody with polo ponies. A big shot. What you're trying to say is, you don't want me to love you. Say it. Say it. Gloria Swanson, one of the great personalities of this generation in a role that comes to an actress once in a lifetime. Rising to the heights, William Holden creates a startling portrayal. And a new star is born in Sunset Boulevard Miss Nancy Olson. Joe? Where are you? What's this all about? Why don't you come out and see for yourself? The address is 10,086 Sunset Boulevard. Yes, come out to see for yourself the film that reaches a new milestone of dramatic daring. The film that every critic says is a giant among motion pictures.
7: Hello everyone. Welcome to the fabulous Rainbow Lounge atop the ESO headquarters. We're going to discuss a movie that is very near and dear to my heart and to a lot of us uh, queer folk out there. We're going to talk about Sunset Boulevard. This is a movie directed and uh, directed by Billy Wilder. So we've already seen one of Wilder's movies in this series. And um, also was uh, co-written by Mr. Brackett. And they were apparently famous co-writing teams that did a lot of good work in Hollywood. But this was their last film together. And on top of all that, this movie came out as the same year as All About Eve. So there are going to be some direct comparisons with All About Eve and Sunset Boulevard's main characters. Both of them actresses playing actresses. I, I think
4: also um, another movie that we reviewed oh, a while ago was whatever happened to Baby Jane? And there's oh some yes similarities uh, to that as well. There, there's there's <laughs> a
7: there's a little like Sunset uh, Boulevard yes. gave birth oh, to What Oh, very much happened to Baby <laughs> Absolutely. <You Yeah>. Know. <laughs> whatever
4: happened to Baby Jane is is Sunset Boulevard's illegitimate child. <laughs> Pretty
7: much. <laughs> Pretty much. Are you sensing a theme with these classic <laughs> movies yet? Are you getting it yet? We like these big actresses who are larger than life playing characters that are larger than life and they just take over and they become icons. It happened with Norma Desmond. It, it happened with um, Margo Channing and all about Eve. It's these big, huge diva characters that usually get enshrined in the LGBT world as icons. And one of the main categories is one the movie is quite memorable on all fronts it's pretty much a flawless movie two it has a lead role for an actress that is very meaty and not the typical stuff that you would see an actress do which is always like oh james what can we, or as i call i like to call it the companion doctor you know that's her, <laughs> that's her only line you know um you know it's that type of thing and the third <laughs> one that kind of seals the deal is can a drag queen do this character and make it fun and norman desmond is right up oh, there God, in yes. canon with a character that's over the top creepy as all get out at the end when she loses her final you know grip on what sanity she had left she,
3: when, when she's first introduced in this movie she's already has a couple of sandwiches you know left <laughs> out of the basket
7: oh totally <laughs> but you know you there I want the coffin white.
6: Yeah.
7: yeah
3: exactly. I want the white
7: satin. Or maybe red. Yeah, I'm not
6: it's, sure it's she like, even oh had a basket. Woman that <laughs> I mean, oh,
3: and she chewed up <laughs> every single scene she was in. Totally. And it it was amazing. It truly was amazing. This is, I'm going to admit it, this was my first time seeing this movie.
7: Wow, really? Yeah.
3: For some reason, it just never, I've seen all about wow. Eve. I've seen baby Jane. I've seen all these other ones that we've done so far. But this is the first time I've seen Sunset Boulevard. I don't know why I hadn't seen it. And I loved every second of it.
7: So like it was narrated by a dead guy?
3: Oh, it's it's <laughs> film noir at its
7: best. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> yeah,
4: it's it's amazing to me as a film noir fan that this, like Billy Wilder made two yeah, movies yeah. that are the epitome of film noir um and that is this one and then earlier he had made uh double indemnity double indemnity yep, with exactly. another
7: um, actress larger than life barbara Stanwyck, Thank absolutely
4: and and also you know he did of course not a film noir but he did some like it hot which we've already talked mm-hmm. about so um i mean in a lot of ways it's you know it's hard pressed to come up with a, a it's hard for me to believe that the same guy directed those three movies because they're just you know it's a Amazing talent on his part, his range of being able mm-hmm. to capture, you know, a story.
7: Well, his writing style was so tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His writing style was so very tight. He, he cut on the writing page. Yeah. He didn't write anything and film something so that it could be cut out later due to time or whatever by the studio. He only filmed what he wanted the audience to see at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, As they say, he cut in the script, not in the actual editing room. So it was impossible for the studio to cut things, especially in this movie. Because, of course, they they were filming this movie under a fake name, a can of beans, which is like opening a can of beans or a can of worms or whatever. And they were sending out the pages bit by bit to the censoring office to try to get them through. And that went through. And then they had all these old silent movie greats come back and play themselves as the wax works. Buster Keaton and Anna Q. Nielsen and and, um, H.B. Warner came back to be the bridge partners for Gloria Swanson. And Gloria was, of course, herself a silent screen star back in the day and stopped doing movies in the the mid-30s. Right. And she comes back in 1950 and gets an Academy Award nomination with this. Mm -hmm. So – and, of course, this movie lost out to All About Eve for the Academy Award for Best Picture – and they did – it's incredible that Ann Baxter, <laughs> Betty Davis, and Gloria Swanson did not win the best actress. It went to Julie Judy Holliday for playing a Gangster's Mall <laughs> in the other movie that um, uh, the guy who plays the lead in this movie was in.
3: Oh, William Holden, yeah.
7: Yeah, William Holden. He plays a writer in both of those movies. He's playing the same dude. <laughs> well, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I
4: don't. I like William Holden, but I don't think he's got a huge range. No, no he
7: he has a type, <laughs> but
6: he yes, doesn't he's, really
8: need it he's, here. Uh, luckily, no, no he doesn't no, need
4: it, and no, absolutely. It's
3: interesting because I I've, I've never seen a movie with William Holden this young. Because usually, mm-hmm. when I've seen him in movies, he's always older by this that point. And you know, it's always yeah. He's
7: not that young here. Yeah. He's in well, his they actually.
8: They made him up to look younger. Yeah,
4: yeah. very much so. Mm -hmm. He just has to stand around and look horrified.
6: We're all standing around looking horrified.
4: (laughs)
7: The second he realizes he's actually a gigolo. (laughs)
3: Yeah, exactly. He is the kept Um, man in this one.
7: Totally. Totally. And poor Nancy Olson's character, Betty. Oh, Betty. Yeah, Betty. That good old girl with a heart of gold who just wants to make it in the big town.
8: (laughs) Falling for the
7: wrong guy. Fall in for the wrong dude every time. It happens all the time.
4: I, I I want to talk about the casting though of and William Holden into because everybody you know you hear so much about the the role of Norma Desmond and how you know they would asked certain other um, prominent actresses, uh, especially silent actresses like Garbo to do it, and they were like horrified.
7: Garbo said, no,
4: they were. Well, she said that um, everything, but, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, and, but they were all horrified because of the depiction of Norma in this, that they were like, no way. And even, you know, as you said, the studio, they had to keep it secret because, you know, when you make a movie about Hollywood in Hollywood and it's not very complimentary, you're, you know, you're in for of, it. You're, yeah, exactly. You're, so you're throwing
7: blood into the piranha tank in a heartbeat. So it's a yeah.
4: risk for Gloria Swanson to take this role because it could have you know, she could have ended up falling on her face and looking like a fool. Um, but it's also a risk for William Holden to play this sort of reversed role that where he's mm-hmm. like he's like this kept man, which you don't usually see that role
7: very often. Well, they they first offered it to Montgomery Clift and he said no. Wow. Well he said yes so and then Holden, he said no. Yeah, yeah, he said yes, and then he said no, which is so Montgomery Clift, it's not even funny. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Uh, so there were other people looking for that, and and of course, the Norma role, Gloria Swanson, was the, like, fifth or sixth pick, because he went to all these other silent um, picture people, and I think the most surprising pick was Mae West. Because, mm-hmm. of course, May West wrote all her own material, and all of it was sex farce comedy. Like, why would you want to pick Mae West into this picture? Yeah. This would be <laughs> I am a case of the worst casting. Really expert, glad but okay. that did
8: not happen. That, yeah, yeah.
4: I, I tell you what. Looking at this movie, it's hard to picture anybody else in these roles. Mm-hmm. No. no, everybody's perfect. It, it, it
7: is Gloria Swanson. It is her movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. there. There's no doubt about that. From the beginning, when you see her, all the way to the end. <laughs> With that The take of her coming down the stairs at the end when everyone's so very still and just turns to follow her movement on the stairs as she's, like, completely in madness. They did that in, like, two to three takes. Oh, I'm sure. Done.
3: I'm sure. And it was so well done, too. And that's, you know, I didn't even know that's where the line. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeVille.
6: Oh
7: yes, yes.
3: yes. <laughs> yeah. Which the
7: that's like one line. of the top ten gay lines. <laughs> oh God, yeah. No, I'm ready for my close up, Mister Demitz. I've
3: I've heard the line a zillion times. Hell, it's in Bugs Bunny.
7: <laughs> yes, <You know? laughs> it's iconic. <Yeah. laughs> that's why it's there.
3: Exactly, <laughs> and it it's just it's just awesome. It's like I was like, that's where it's from. You know, <laughs> and
7: I, I have to point out one thing since we just got past Halloween. I don't know if you all noticed it, but you know the butler's name is Max, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yep. So, so you remember Hocus Pocus when Bette Miller says thank you, Max, for that marvelous introduction. She's doing Swanson.
6: <laughs> okay.
3: That
7: that is a Sunset Boulevard homage right there. And just that little sentence. Oh, I'm it's sure like, <laughs> we're, we're gonna tie these two things together right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: No, and that totally makes sense too. Max was kind of was extremely creepy. Yeah,
7: Max Max was very creepy. He is actually a film director from the silent film days, and was infamous for filming or making films that were up to twelve hours long. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like not kidding. That's his, that's his oh, no. thing. He likes you thought Peter Jackson made a long film. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> and these were silent, no music. <laughs> so, yeah, he's actually a real when he was talking about D.W. Griffith and Cecil B. DeMille and himself, that was true to life. That was actually accurate. Well, there. Wow. I mean,
8: I think that's one of the reasons why another reason why this movie works is there's so much meta going on.
7: Oh
8: yes. I mean he he, mm-hmm. he so actually, many different levels. He he was one of the directors who worked on Queen Kelly, which was the real silent film that Gloria Swanson starred in that, that they were watching in, in the home theater.
7: Which yeah, was but funded he, by but the he,
4: Kennedys. He was he was dismissed <laughs> as the director of yes. that movie after disagreements with Swanson. So yes. here they have this like big thing in nineteen twenty-nine on this movie, and then like you know. Thirty years later, they're like working together, and they made <laughs> up together and watching that movie. I mean,
7: because they realized they both would like a paycheck.
4: Very, I mean, very weird.
7: You know, when it gets down to it, yes, that's what you want. But that house, oh my god, could you imagine? But then- oh, that wow. house? The the New Year's Eve party was so creepy. Oh, well, yes, getting here nope it's just, it's just you kiddo oh my god <laughs>
3: oh my god and then you know she tried to kill herself with the ra- his razor
7: yep with yes. a razor i
4: had uh i had flashes to xanadu in citizen Kane <laughs> in <my city. laughs>
7: just two people on a dance floor by themselves <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. I mean, the
8: house is almost a character <laughs> in its own right i mean
7: the frozen oh, yeah. oh, sense Decayed of it, the and,
8: disrepair, the long shadows, the museum quality I mean, of it.
7: It's, it's like, yeah, ugh. it
8: feels like a trap. And it,
4: oh, um, totally. So, for, right for someone me. who has has a lot of money, it's like, I, like this house doesn't look it at all.
7: Well, I mean, it's a museum to her. Yeah, yeah.
4: Well, so, into inside it's fine, but outside it's falling apart. Well,
7: she doesn't go outside. No, I yeah. mean that. That's the thing. She's never until joe came along she didn't go outside and then she had a someone pointed out in an essay that i was reading online about how joe enters after her long loved pet dies Mm. so he takes the place of the pet he's He's the new monkey monkey.
3: yeah he's the new (laughs) monkey
7: (laughs) gotta dress him up gotta make him look appropriate gotta make sure he fits her worldview Mm -hmm. Yada, yada yada
3: judy said the same exact thing it was just like she was like she's like he's a new monkey that's her new companion yeah. and you know and it it was just interesting and then the house with no locks on the doors
7: because yeah. she's crazy yeah and you have yeah. to you have to be able to get to her cuz she's you know yeah but <laughs> 5 miles short of a
3: highway it's also
8: <laughs> symbolic of how she has no boundaries
3: no she doesn't have or. any boundaries she has she she steamrolls over everything Mm-hmm. Inside,
7: it's her worldview, and that is it. Everything else is ignored. In that house, when DeMille is trying to tell her, Well, there's a problem with your script, and I'm not going to take it, she just rolls right over it.
3: Oh, god, yeah, yeah. and she, she, doesn't either, it. she, she doesn't even
7: hear it. she doesn't even hear it. It's she can't a beat process. It's no, 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 she can't.
3: She
6: can't.
7: Yeah.
3: And you know, the whole thing, you know, when her, Max finds out that they want the car, not her,
7: mm-hmm. you know, not her, yep.
3: And everything, and that car, and then keeping and then, it secret. Yeah.
7: Keeping it secret. Can't tell her because she'll go. She'll woo-hoo, go woo-hoo,
3: yeah,
8: woo-hoo. which she does. <laughs> but,
3: which she does. Yeah.
7: She does. After Joe lays down a whole. I mean, after you've been in your house for twenty years, <laughs> and you've grown to like love your own publicity, which you should never believe. And, and then here's Joe. Here's what reality is. The world has passed you by. It is done with you. You need to do something else. And by the way, I'm leaving you. Yeah, she went crazy. I don't know what he was thinking. He should have said, I'm going to go um, check on the right? car. And just <laughs> kept on walking.
3: Exactly. Or that, or said, let me see that gun. I'm going to go out to the swimming pool for a moment and throw it deep into the pool. <laughs> you know.
7: Well, instead of himself. Exactly. Right? I, I love now, it. Despite the go, fa- go ahead. Go ahead, Mary. Sorry. I
8: was just going to say, when you brought up the gun. I love how when when she shoots him, he just keeps walking.
7: <laughs> yep. that, is the, that is one of the worst being shot scenes ever. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on walking with this bullet lodged <laughs> in my spine. And of course, no blood. No, I was going to say, right. I was gonna say yeah, yeah, there was yeah. no blood. No, no blood era. at all. There was no blood. You, code, you can't have blood. Even
3: when he was like floating in the pool face down, <laughs> yeah. there was yep. no blood coming out or anything.
7: Nope. Same with same with Norma's wrist. There was no blood on the bottom of the uh, bandages leaking through no. at any point. Those look like pristine white bandages. Yes, I cut myself. Or oh, even so
3: later cool when that. they showed her, you know, like a month or two later, there was
4: no scars.
7: No, no. scars? No. no. Nothing. Why would there be scars? Nothing happened to her. She's fine. Exactly. <laughs>
4: um, speaking of that, um, regarding Norma, the character, I mean, we talked about how crazy she is and over the top, but – I mean, there's some, there's some sentiment to her as well. There's some, uh, I think the film and, and the lead ac- and, and, you know, Joe as compassionate to her, especially after her first, well, not her first, but on the, on the screen in the story, her first suicide attempt where he comes back mm-hmm. and basically um, like, just goes all in after that. Like he, I, I think that's where he makes the decision. Yeah. I'm her monkey. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like,
6: yeah. <laughs>
7: And, yeah, he, and he gives up because he's got some kind of compassion towards her and sees that you know she's a lost soul and what's he going to do out in the world anyway he doesn't have a car he can't write he has no money yeah i mean it's an it's an easy decision for him to make to go back I mean, to her so we soul. don't know we don't
4: yeah. know if it's just a ploy to get him back or if she's to- really i think i think she's just she believes her own like she's trapped in her character. Oh totally. And so yeah. she's she she acts like melodramatically and she yes. she's like she can't not she can't just turn it off.
7: Well Cecil B. DeMille reveals what happened to her. I mean, he says right. the a dozen press agents working overtime can do horrible things to the human spirit so you right. can only imagine was it a bad review <laughs> did they find out something about her that made her shut herself away or made her too toxic for the studios to work I mean, when and one of the guys said a, this is an industry that will yeah. chew you like
4: right. use you chew you up and spit, so, you, spit out you out and n- I mean, not give two craps about what i mean happens can, can
7: you name actors from the 1970s that were really big and now you don't even know who Oh, of course. No, of course. 80s, 90s. There's plenty of them. But it's plenty. And
3: it's interesting. And he even said, you know, she was a poor girl, started at 17 in the silent films. And then they ate her up and shoot her out and spit her out.
7: After she helped save the studio. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. After she helped create the studios. That line about her coming to Paramount Studios and how he wouldn't have a job if, if it wasn't for me. That was true for Swanson in real life. That's right, not just Norma Desmond. Mm-hmm.
3: Right.
6: Yeah, so. I would actually
8: argue that this is not film noir. That it is that is a veil. That it is really a, a gothic horror film with Norma oh, yeah. as the monster. I mean, you've got the narration of a dead man, and and Norma's like the once once innocent innocent uh, ingenue who's turned into a monster and then abandoned by her creators.
7: Her, her makeup is very Dracula-esque. Oh, God, yeah. And maybe it's the black and white and the sharp lines on her face and everything. It's it's very like – she looks like Legosi. She looks like those Hammer. If
4: you switch the roles, ro- roles around male-female, you would see like – yeah, you could easily see Norma or Norman be played by someone like <laughs> Bela hmm
6: mm-hmm. Oh, God,
3: yeah. Oh, totally, you could. Yeah, The cape and everything would be awesome. Yeah.
7: And I think this is one of the first times we actually do see an older woman with a younger man on screen too, mm. like in, in a serious quasi-manipulative relationship. Yeah, you know, what He's trying to get something out of her, which is a free place to stay, money. He's going to take advantage of this old woman, and she's like, well, I'll get companionship, and he'll write my, my movie for me, yada, yada, yada. But then at the end, it turns into something way more twisted. Yeah, and oh, and you ahead. actually
8: – it feels like she has all the power. I mean, he he thinks he's manipulating her, but really she's manipulating him. No,
7: she's manipulating him like a fiddle.
3: Oh, completely. And, you know, when she called that poor girl, you know, over and over again, you know, will you please stop calling
7: here? Do you know about Joe Gillis? Exactly. Do you know where he lives? Do you know how he sleeps? (laughs) Exactly. She's like, oh, my. She's willing to, like,
4: that's the weird thing about it is she's not. She's not making up lies about him. No. She's like, no. she's like, you want to know, you want to know what Joe's really is. He's, he's my monkey. And I'll show you that he's my monkey. Come mm-hmm. over here and see like sweet the man that you think you love or whatever is just my stooge.
6: Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much.
4: Which, just, which just was so bold.
7: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you're going to trail that for a one bedroom apartment that you can't afford yeah that was the whole point. It's like you've got all this yeah. why would you go back to oh, exactly. all that? I mean, he ended nothing. up there
3: because he was running from the creditors who yeah. wanted to repossess his car,
7: and they did yeah
3: they still ended I wonder up who
7: called I wonder who called them to find the car
3: mhm exactly. <laughs> I'm sure Max did
7: <laughs> I'm sure Max did yeah. Her first husband. Ooh, that made it even creepier when he said that. Oh wow. God, <laughs> yes. You're like no. The call is more yeah, than coming I mean, from inside this house. Get, right, joke. Get out, Joe. Get out. All very incestuous.
3: <laughs> oh, when he very when Max said I was her first husband, you know, it almost reminded me of like mm-hmm. young Frankenstein. He was my boyfriend. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, my yeah. Of, we were roommates at college yeah, like, no exactly. Stop. no exactly i would have been i had been okay i'm out of here this is just too sick for me you know
7: it's just too weird just too weird yeah uh,
3: exactly it was
7: and you it was you go from the new year's eve party in the in the mansion which is bleak and no one's there and then you go to the apartment that is crowded out you can't move you can't breathe it's like <laughs> They they put 150 extras in a space for 50 people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious just just that dichotomy to see how full of life the outside world is and how bare of life Norma's existence is. Well, exactly.
4: It's it's, it's strange for me to see how full of life J- Jack Webb is.
7: <laughs> yeah, I know. right?
6: <laughs>
4: I was like, wait a minute!
3: No, I just kept. On-
7: Have you ever seen Dragnet? Nope, no sir. (laughs) No, I
3: haven't seen it. I had had to tell Judy, she was like, Don't you know who that is? And she says, No, who? All I had to do was, (laughs) she says, No way. It's like, Yep, yeah,
7: he's actually smiling. Yeah, he's (laughs) taking a picture of that. Oh, good, very relaxed Mm -hmm. and a snappy talker, too. He kept on talking. He never had a minute to breathe. Yeah, yeah, but
3: But yeah, it was amazing and just. The movie did not ever stop. There were no dead spots in this no, movie no. at all.
7: No. And the narration helped it. I think it helped to get in t- inside Joe's mind where when you're like he knows he's trapped. Mm-hmm. He knows he can't go anywhere. He knows there's no future for him outside this house. He's he's screwed. Okay. No,
3: his only future was that he could go back to Ohio and become a copywriter
6: he, he, or something. He was, he was not his only
4: No, his only future <laughs> no. was ending up in that pool.
7: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean the, the second that tire blew, it was over, yeah it was, was over.
4: He was trapped in her web, and the only way he was getting out was being eaten,
3: yeah, but the thing is, he did a decent thing by breaking Betty's heart and sending her back to the, back to Arnie. Yeah. yeah yeah, yeah, and everything. I think that would as my grandmother would say, he did the mensch thing to do, you know
7: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he really did, I mean that was. That scene had to happen in order for Joe's death to actually occur without hurting Betty any more than it possibly would have. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Because he had already hurt her way badly. It's like, okay, I'm out of here. Bye. Like, why don't you come with me now? Like, no, I can't. Why would I leave all this for one bedroom? Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Why?
8: It is. Oh, my God. It is just so beautifully written. <laughs> the dialogue, the <laughs> rhythm. Billy
7: Wilder is a master. I tell you, if you've never seen Billy Wilder films, you are missing out, kids. Mm-hmm. Go and watch you, I mean, you
8: really feel like you are inside Joe Gillis's world. I mean, his complicated mm-hmm. relationship, not only with Norma, but with himself. He is constantly questioning what he's doing, tearing himself down, but continuing to do it.
3: No, he he was a man who did not like himself at all.
7: No. Uh, he he loathed himself pretty heavily in this movie. Oh, very much so. So, so basically a typical writer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Get Bobby Nash on the line. Let's get his opinion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kidding, but, Bobby. Kidding. We know you're the star. It, uh, what yeah, do you
3: mean? I still definitely... get people ask, oh, ESO, isn't that Bobby Nash's podcast?
7: <laughs> it is. I, I heard. Yeah. yeah.
4: Uh Isn't it the movie definitely you know plays around with the whole like you know screenwriter being you know pretty much not recognized in any sort of
7: sense in, in- and the frustration <laughs> of being a screenwriter right where yeah. he's talking like well you know i wrote some scripts and they were original perhaps they were too original mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. had some rejected because they were too formula maybe they weren't they were not original enough or When he he talks to Norma about, yeah, I've I've written some movies. I wrote some about some uh, Okies in a Dust Bowl picture, but you wouldn't recognize it because when it got to the cinemas, it was played on a torpedo boat.
6: Yeah. Right.
7: (laughs) Because the executives just change everything to suit their own needs. So the, the writer's life in Hollywood, Billy Wilder is saying it is a miserable one.
4: Well,
3: think about it you know yeah, even that's the way it is even that baseball script you know that he turned in at the beginning of the movie and he had all these high hopes for but both she betty tore it apart right away and then right. and then nice. the then the yep. uh, the guy at the studio was like well we can make it into a woman's softball movie and right. you know <laughs> it was just like
7: which, which did you did you see a league of its own? In yes. Oh, of that? course. Exactly I did. did. Oh,
3: that's exactly what I. Did. I'm like,
4: oh,
6: Tom <laughs> Hanks made that no movie. There is no crying in baseball.
3: Yeah, it, the look on his face, though, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, God, yep. no wonder you drink half a bottle, you know, an afternoon, you know, well,
6: you have to. I mean... Yeah. That's
8: the life of an artist. I mean, it's, it's Norma's life, too. You are you can be on top, but it's, you know, that you're only as good as your last thing. And your people are standing yeah. around waiting to tear you
3: down.
7: Oh, God. And I, oh. I remind people of that all the time when Raul, Raul Julia, an amazing actor's last film, was Street Fighter.
3: Well, that's true. That is very true. I
7: mean, he's an amazing actor. His last piece of film was Street Fighter. And that film was bad. So people don't remember him as fondly because you're only as good as the last thing that you did, and that's that is a very scary thing in any occupation because we all screw up. Most of us go to work, and we don't have thousands of people, you know, reading about us in the tabloids about. Oh my God, did you see what Darren did at work today? <gasps> you know, it, it, we're not we're not under that goldfish well, it's, bowl. It's thank actually, God. It's kind that's... of an
8: interesting parallel because more of us are now with social media. Yeah.
7: More more than ever, we got to be yeah. careful about what we write because it might come back to bite us on but, the collective tickets. Well, there's
3: a reason, you know, we talk about stuff on the podcast, but there's reasons we don't go into too much detail in the podcast because mm-hmm. people are listening and they, you know, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's Those beautiful people got that there.
8: one person <gasps>
6: listening.
4: <laughs>
3: Exactly. I was going to say, really?
4: People are listening. When did that happen? Um, we
3: have five people listening right this very <laughs> Yay!
6: second. And we love hey! each and
4: every one of you.
7: Uh,
4: I was going to say mom, but
7: mom doesn't know what podcasts are. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, no. Keep, keep mom away from the podcast, please.
4: I also think, uh, you know, it's interesting that, uh, Norma is doing this, uh, she's creating this, this, this script regarding, um, is it Salome? Salome. 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 The and the Seven
3: Veils.
4: And, and really, I don't, the only thing I know about Salome is that she, you know, she was the one that I think said, bring
7: me the head of John the Baptist,
4: right? Yes. That she's, she's that. She's that woman. and now- uh, I,
7: I tried to look for an age reference to Salome. I mean, in the Bible, people live to 900 and something years because, you know, that's, it is what it that's is. That's what they do. But, yeah. I, w- I was trying to find an age reference. and I couldn't find one. But still, I find the word princess indicates someone younger than Norma's age. So when you're talking mm. about that <laughs> Salome and doing the dance of the seven veils, I don't picture yeah. a 50-year-old woman. <laughs> I just don't you know. any 50 year. I mean, I don't know how old, like some of our, like Angelina Jolie is right now, but I would say she is too old to play a young princess.
3: Oh God. Yeah. Right. You know, there's a
7: so even though she looks great, there's, she looks fabulous. There's a reason but,
3: she's not Laura Croft anymore, folks. Come on.
4: Yeah, totally. I did find it interesting also that in 1953, so three years after this movie, uh, there's a movie actually made about Salome,
7: and it stars Rita Hayward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that means someone watched Sunset Boulevard, got the idea, and said, let's make a movie. So so wait, that's two movies. Get DeMille that, on the line. <laughs> that's two
4: movies that were directly inspired yeah, by the history.
6: Right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it was funny, though, the film they were filming in the movie, you know, when uh, De- DeMille was doing, it almost looked like that was very quasi Ten Commandments.
7: It was yeah. Samson and Delilah. Yeah, it, mm. yeah, it was a, it's a real movie. I mean, DeMille did all the biblical epics. I mean he if you if you're ever watching TV on TBS on Easter, you're gonna see the Ten Commandments with Charlton Eston as Moses, Moses. Um and doing all the stuff with Anne Baxter as Pharaoh's daughter. So hey, there's another all about Eve tie, right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> Very true. Very, very true. Yep.
7: Well, Cecil B. DeMille did all those biblical epics. So he was always, he always had people in Egyptian garb on his sets all the time, looking as Caucasian as possible. <laughs> and it's just scary.
3: Now, it's amazing. You know, this movie just was like, boom, boom. It just went all through. And oh, it's quick. It's very quick. I didn't even realize almost two hours went by after mm-hmm. watching this thing that's how good it's It's
7: a tight script it's yeah. a tight script and it keeps on clicking by yeah and by the way the guy the light operator's name is hog eye not hawk eye not to be confused with our favorite purple avenger so <laughs> or mash character, or, or, character or, yeah. or last of
3: the mohicans
8: I, mean, I, you yes. know, I have to say the lighting in this movie is incredible the, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my god, the way it's filmed, the cinematography.
4: Black
7: and white film is so It beautiful. really What's
8: is. That? I I was just like drinking it in. It's it's so
4: Yeah. Well, when you're when you've got a cinematographer um, you know, like sights, I think his name is. Um yeah, you're you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm.
3: No, it's, I mean, yeah, it just it's just awesome. And to see Hollywood at that era was just awesome. The late 1940s.
7: Mm-hmm. doesn't
4: exist anymore. No.
7: Yep. That's all that's all pretty much been replaced by La La Land. Go watch that one kids. Mm-hmm. That's that's your new about Hollywood film that Hollywood loved because it was a positive representation of <laughs> Hollywood, not not this one which is <laughs> a little critical about The way we we treat people. Taking young stars in, chewing them up, and spitting them out when we're done. You know, that's what happens in the Hollywood machine. No, it
3: almost seemed like, you know, this was almost like, not, I want to say, like a love affair to Hollywood, because it wasn't at all. No. No. It's not a love letter at all. No, because like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's a love letter to Hollywood of the late 1960s. This is not no. this is a look at real this life is, this, yeah,
7: this, is, yeah. <laughs> this
8: is an exposure of hollywood yeah
7: it's
4: peeling it's, it's back also,
7: the
6: curtain.
4: it's also i think you know we mentioned i think one of the earliest shows that we did with you Darren, we talked mm-hmm. about camp yeah and and uh campy characters and you can have a campy character i think norma desmond is a campy character but in a in a film noir setting, it, it's 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 you take the camp out of her, um, even though she might be doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and you just make it like you expose her for really a monster.
7: As Mary said, yeah, well, that's why I, I would encourage anyone out there to go watch the Carol Burnett. Oh <laughs> yes, assessment. yes,
6: oh god, yes. yes, yes.
7: Because that's how you take Norma Desmond to camp. Right. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, you see, Norma had her level. And then Carol went, let's ramp that <laughs> up to a thousand. And she did, Max, are there autograph hounds here? I don't want anyone to see me. You know, it's, <laughs> it's that kind of a thing. And you just go, yeah, that, that character's totally riffable, totally yes. campable. She's not in the movie. If she was taken out of that movie and put somewhere else, yeah, totally yeah. camp. Well, but she's yeah. playing herself very seriously. Yeah. If the
4: rest of the movie is kind of on that dialed up that high. Yeah, then then it becomes a campy movie. But if you only have one character dialed up to like twenty one, right, <laughs> and right. then well, everybody, else is, I, but, everybody else is everybody else is at eight or nine, it's like yeah, wow. This yeah, well, I think
7: that, that... I think one of the
4: reasons go ahead, go ahead. it's
8: so yeah. unsettling is that Gloria Swanson is, is she's playing a silent film star in the real world, but she's playing it's... the role of the silent film star. So she Mm -hmm, feels out of place the whole time, like she's one step sort of outside of reality, and everything feels Mm -hmm. very off-kilter when she's around. Well, when
7: she's in the studio, when she finally goes to meet DeMille, she's sitting down in the chair. The microphone swings behind her and, and nicks her feather in her hat, and she looks at it, and she just... Pushes it pushes away like, with yeah, disgust. Exactly. She's like, she's uh, like, it's like, oh, we're we're still doing this. Okay, I get it, Norma. You want to work in films, but you're gonna have to talk.
3: Exactly, and then you I know, mean, uh, everyone, things have changed. It was awesome when everyone came up to her in the studio, every, all the extras and everything, and everyone who's in all those scenes were like, that's that's Mona Des. You know, it was just like, wow, that was just. It was. Just I like,
7: thought she was dead.
3: Yeah. Exactly.
7: You know, because it's been that long since she's been seen by anybody. Oh,
3: I know. And she was only 50. <laughs> she was only 50 in that. And she looked like she was in her 90s.
7: <laughs> but I I, I I, was looking through some anecdotes from some people. And Elaine Stritch, God love her, bless her heart, um, no longer with us. But she did um, a play version of The Women, which is a very famous movie um, and a play um, by um, uh, Claire Deleuze about these women in the thirties and how they compete for the affection of men. You know, it's, it's kind of a, an older, older, older without drugs and sex version of Bally of the dolls in a way it's just women being catty to each other and Joan Crawford starred in it. And in this play version, Elaine Stritch played a character and Gloria Swanson played the lead character and she was going to exit. But the script said that, It is Elaine Stritch's character and Gloria Swanson's character that exit together. And uh, Elaine said that uh, Miss Swanson had informed her, the producers, and everybody else that she was not going to enter or exit with or without anyone in any play ever, (laughs) including this one. So they had to change the whole ending of the play for Gloria Swanson. But when it came to performance time, everything went off okay except this one woman took way too long to get off stage. Elaine Stritch made some kind of a motion and she got fired from the play for it Wow! um, for being unprofessional. And all the actresses had signed the letter asking the producers to fire her except for Gloria Swanson. So I think that speaks to a little bit of character of, you know, I'm not going to get involved in that. That's that's between y'all. I'm going to stay above the fray of that because I've seen that kind of bitchiness before, right? She's been around. I mean she had been around a while for a while. And then of course she she passed um I think in the nineteen nineties or two thousands. Um but she had done a lot of interviews towards the end of her her life with her memoirs and such and a really uh, fascinating character. She had like five or six husbands <laughs> to to quote clue hers, not other women's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <you know. laughs> but I I, th- I think this movie it is part of the gay canon because it is such an over-the-top female role at the, at the outset. I don't know if it would be there if Norma was not as outrageous as she is. I think it would be another easily forgotten film noir. There are tons of film noirs out there, and we remember probably five or six. And they all have these crazy characters that just stick with us over time. Like double indemnity, that Barbara Stanwyck character is pretty amazing,
6: mm-hmm.
7: you know, in in that movie. And we're looking at this with Norma Desmond here. She is one of the top fifty characters in film.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: I can it's see that. It's
7: just the way she commands every scene she's in, and she does it without having to chew all the scenery. It's just those weird, creepy gesture gestures that she does when she's trying to be very dramatic. You know, and looking at the movie that she was in or trying to beckon someone to her or whatever. Yeah, she just she makes that big mansion feel very claustrophobic she for does. Tab. Oh I
3: God, mean, yes.
8: But I mean she's always performing for cameras. I mean, as far as uh-huh. she's concerned, the camera is
7: always there. Was always on.
3: Yep, exactly. She was dressed to the gills all the time, all the makeup, everything. And she was flamboyant. Was a great.
7: I mean, the, be- the beauty routine she goes through when she thinks she's going to go back to the studio. Good Lord. Oh, God. Yeah. That was yes. torture. Just to watch mm-hmm. all the things she was putting on herself and then having things ripped off and taped and bound. It's like, good grief. Oh, my God. Enough.
3: Yeah. You know, those things she was wearing with the triangles on her face.
7: Yeah. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. try to get those wrinkles to go down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's totally what it was. Yep.
4: I do find it fascinating you know we've talked about it before and i don't know if i can quite put my finger on it but um you know there are those characters and those even those actresses those personalities that are larger than life that seem to be um you know you mentioned that uh, that that, you know that female impersonators like are drawn to like norma desmond or betty davis or we talked about Isa Minnelli. We talked about Judy Garland. We talked about um, Joan Crawford. You know, we've, um, these are, or um, even um, uh, what's her name? Who played Joe Crawford, right? Uh, oh crap. Hold
6: cool <laughs> on. Faye <laughs> like, Dunaway. Faye cause, yeah, Faye Dunaway. Cause we, yeah. Cause yeah. we talked
4: about that. So it does seem interesting to me, like there just has that certain level, like the, the of a, of an actress or performer or Mm -hmm. diva whatever you want to call them that that sort of that that crosses that threshold right
7: well i mean when we're looking at again we're we're in hayes code territory here which means you can't show sexual perversion on screen which is why we didn't see them sleep together in this movie although they were doing it when the lights were off you know Um, Because that would be kind of perversion to have an older woman sleeping with a younger man. Uh, That would be a thing that would be a problem. Premarital sex is a problem for the Hays Code. So you're not going to get those gay characters, but you get the coded gay characters. And there aren't any real coded gay characters in this movie. Everyone's very heterosexual. Everyone's buttoned up, straight front-laced. Everything's good to go, which is shocking for a Hollywood movie. However, you do get... Men identifying with a strong female character because that's the second best thing, right? Just like women who are are lesbians will glom onto a strong female character but strong in a different way. We're looking at the more fabulous female character, not so much the – like an Annie Oakley character or Joan Crawford in the Western that she did where she was wearing all black and had the very butch hat and was the gunfighter. I mean, that's that's a male role. So when we're looking at these different roles and we're saying what makes it LGBTQ friendly and what doesn't, we're looking at how these archetypes really were the things that gay people glommed onto when you couldn't even say the words gay out loud without saying let's be happy. Because that was the meaning back then. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we're, we're almost the 1950s. We're getting close to when we would start getting a few of the gay liberation organizations started the Mattachine society and the daughters of Belitis would start to come up very soon, like with the sixties coming up, but they were still very underground, very straight laced. You would not see any drag Queens or drag Kings among them. They were very much, we are Americans just like you. And that was how the movement started way back when, way before. It was more
8: about trying to to pass, to fit in blend in or
7: pass. Yeah.
8: But it well, I think, you know, those characters with it's the exaggerated femininity Because when Mm -hmm. say if you as a man are denied certain aspects of yourself that are traditionally identified as feminine, as women. Well, then you tend to go, and women do the same thing in the opposite direction. Well, then you tend to go to, to a more exaggerated uh, thing because you can get away with that. You can say, oh, I'm just playing, I'm just a parody. I'm not really saying that, that these, these types of behaviors and feelings are okay for men, I'm just playing a role. And, and it's just, it's a way to, to experience that without getting the same kind of judgment from From a heterosexual mm-hmm. society that has placed people in these very strict gender roles,
7: pretty much like when Hello Dolly, when Barbara Streisand walks down the staircase at that restaurant wearing a Vegas showgirl headdress yes. no woman would wear that dress in <laughs> normal New York society. I'm sorry that dress would never exist outside of the context of a musical
6: exactly right? it is
7: the ex- it's the exaggerated feminine. Mm-hmm. And that moves us firmly into talking about drag, drag queens, drag art. And we probably will be concentrating on that next year.
3: Fair enough. That totally makes sense. Well, Darren, you've done an amazing job with this one. You definitely. Thank you. You know, the last few have knocked it right out of the ballpark. These have been great movies that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. And I've really, really enjoyed these. And I'm very curious to see what we can do next year. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's going. <laughs> You're to, gonna to be
7: doing a lot of posing, darling. A lot of posing. Prepare oh. yourself. We're gonna be voguing. There's gonna be some voguing. One might even say Paris might be on fire.
3: Ooh, interesting. Interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Well, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back and close out the show.
6: Crazy.
0: I'm crazy for feeling so lonely.
6: I'm crazy, crazy for
0: Hey everybody, Michelle here with an Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. Last Thursday, Run the Jewels put out a new song called No Safe Point. It's part of a soundtrack for a new video game called Cyberpunk 2077. Um, On Friday, they put out a video uh, for the song as part of the Adult Swim Film Festival. And they're also teaming up with the creative team from the game to put out uh, a merch line. Uh, the other artists on the soundtrack include Grimes, ASAP, ASAP Rocky refused, and a whole bunch of others. Um, Sinead O'Connor is, uh, postponing all of her shows for 2021, uh, until the following year so that she may enter a year-long treatment program for trauma and addiction. Uh, she announced on Twitter that, um, she had a very traumatic six years and this year was the end of it, but now recovery starts. And, uh, We all hope so, because she has had a a rough go of it. And Ticketmaster is working on a plan to let you use your smartphone to verify whether you've been vaccinated or tested for coronavirus before they will let you into a show. Um, It involves using the app, and they're partnering up with medical information firms and vaccine distributors Um, When you buy a ticket, you'd be required to verify your status or prove you've tested negative within 72 hours. After you're tested, um, customers would authorize a lab to share your results with a past company um, to let Ticketmaster know, and then they'll give you the tickets. If you uh, test positive or you don't verify your vaccination status, you can't go to the event. Okay, yeah. How many people are going to do this? Not, it's not too big, brother, is it? Uh, I, I know we have to take strong measures, but I don't think that one's going to fly. This has been the iconic rock talk show moment. Uh, my main blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. But, ta-da, drumroll, I have entered a blog on the esonetwork.com site. Uh, Look for the uh, Iconic Rock Talk Show logo, the big purple guitar pick, and find out what the Emerald Ash Borer is and why it hates music so much. Thanks a lot, and we will catch you next time.
9: Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the second and third episodes of season two of The Mandalorian. So I decided to bunch these two together since they happen right after each other, and the story is kind of continuous. So in chapter 10, the passenger, Mando is tasked with taking a frog lady and her eggs from Tatooine to the moon Trask, where her husband is so he can fertilize the eggs and their lineage will not end. Because the eggs are fragile, they can't jump to hyperspace and have to deliver them a lot slower. On the way to delivering the eggs, some Republic X-Wings end up chasing Mando's ship. Fun fact, one of the actors playing the X-Wing pilots is Dave Filoni, the man behind the Clone Wars TV show. Mando and the frog lady end up crashed in a cavern on this icy planet and are chased by scary spiders. Baby Yoda tries to eat everything, and eventually, they slowly get off the planet with a lot of damage to the ship and they make it to their destination. In chapter 11, The Heiress, we see them getting to Trask. The frog lady is reconnected with her husband. Mando finds other Mandalorians, mainly Bo Katan, and then two others. Which, let me stop right here, if you are unaware of who Bo-Katan is, I really highly suggest watching the Clone Wars TV show and the Rebels TV show, because some of what is going to be happening in this season will tie into Clone Wars and Rebels, and you might be a little lost on who some of these characters are. We do get to see Mando very confused when Bo-Katan and her people remove their helmets. And we learn that Mando is part of the group The Watch. And that they don't remove their helmets because of their shame, I guess, of what happened on Mandalore. We also learn where a Jedi is, Ahsoka Tano. And I am so excited to see where this leads Mando and the child. I am also just so excited to see how Ahsoka Tano is going to look in this show. So far, this season has done such a great job of bringing the past Star Wars universe into this amazing show. And it's just so great how well they're doing it. And while they're creating an interesting story based off of Mando, while still trying to have those Easter eggs for all of us fans that grew up and love watching all the older stuff. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out.
3: So let's go wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. We want to thank Darren for giving us an amazing movie this time.
7: You're welcome, sir. Anytime I can come out and perform for my fans, it is an amazing thing that I would love to do.
3: Ah, he's eating up the scenery right in front of us, folks. This is pretty <laughs> darn awesome. Anything you want to shout out about, sir?
7: Um happy November third, everyone.
3: Yes, and, and
7: and happy, looking forward to another round here in our home state of nothing but screaming on the TV. It's <laughs> gonna be a lot of DVDs for me in December.
3: <laughs> oh God, yeah! I'm so happy that so much I'm watching right now is coming back to stream and everything. Okay. The yeah.
7: Crown. Oh my God, season four.
3: Oh my God, yes. Oh, we've, Margaret we watched-
7: Thatcher. Margaret uh, is, Thatcher and um, Princess
3: Diana. It's amazing, awesome. amazing.
7: Yes. I, I did the whole season yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah, amazing, uh, amazing work.
3: Yeah, it it it's awesome. If you haven't seen The Crown season four, it is already we we're four episodes in. We got to the wedding. Charles and Diana. (laughs) It gets so much better. Oh, I'm sure it does. He is such an ass. It gets so much better
7: because it's so much worse. (laughs) Oh,
3: I could only imagine. Yeah, so we're going to get there. But yeah, Um, you want to promote your podcast, sir?
7: Sure. You can find me at Legion of Substitute Podcasters, where we talk about all the great DC Comics Legion-y goodness.
3: That is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that you guys are now you guys got new legion to talk about that's pretty we cool We do
7: finally we have new yeah. legion to talk about woohoo we're up to almost issue um 10 and 11 and then they're about to do an interruption of two issues for an event that was supposed to be 5g and now is called future future state i think so mm-hmm. that's kind of funny i'm like okay well we'll see how this goes we love yeah, exactly. we love road bumps in a new legion series right as it's getting started because that never messes up anything so, no, it always
3: goes so well. It
7: goes so smoothly.
3: <laughs> anyway. That's funny. That is funny. Well, I'm glad to have you here.
7: I'm glad and, to be had.
3: And Mary, it's so wonderful to have you here.
7: Oh, thank
8: you for having me to, on to talk about such an amazing film.
3: It was a lot of fun. Anything you want to promote?
8: Uh, well, I actually have a shout out first.
3: Do you? I oh, do, do tell. Let's go. And
8: that is, I want to shout out for Sherry Renee Thomas, who is the new editor of the magazine of fantasy and science fiction, Woohoo. the first person of color to oversee the magazine.
7: Yay. Oh, that's awesome. Huzzah.
8: You go, that Sherry. Awesome.
7: That is cool.
3: That is very cool. And you want to promote your artwork?
8: Uh, you can find me at maryoggle.com or on Etsy at eVision Art.
3: Yay. That is awesome. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. What are you going to shout out about tonight, sir?
4: A good friend of ours, a former on the formerly on the ESO Network, uh, Van Allen Plexico and his White Rocket Entertainment podcast have now uh, issued, released uh, episode 500. So so careful. Van's catching up to us. Um,
3: <laughs> is it, the question I had with that? And I'm congratulations, Van. You guys do some amazing stuff with the James Bond stuff, with the MCU stuff, with you know, it's just awesome. All the different stuff he and he's a huge, huge Ready Player One fan too.
4: Yes, so. absolutely. And he's yeah, a great so. writer on his own.
3: On oh, well, he is. He totally is. Um, I and it's it's great that he's doing all this. The question is he combining all his podcasts into episode 500 or is the white rocket episode 500?
4: That's a, that's a good question. I haven't actually counted them, so I don't know, but I do think everything that's under the umbrella counts. So all the James Bond stuff that he does on her Majesty's Secret podcast, as well as the Avengers Assembled, as well as the Open Road. Um, like you said, he does a lot of different topics that he covers on his podcasts. And uh, and I think they're just about to start one on about the, going episode by episode with the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, but, you know, and not just, I mean, Van is, is the backbone of the, of that entertainment network, but he also, you know, with Alan J. Porter is a good friend of ours he takes, you know, um, and, and others that are there too. I've had the honor of, uh, and pleasure of guesting on uh, the white rocket show a few times and, uh, it's always a blast and, uh, mm-hmm. I'm just glad to see him. Keep it up. I mean, as we know, it's not easy to put together 500 episodes. <laughs> oh, it's a cakewalk,
3: Mike. I just, you know,
4: <laughs> so, uh, so there's a reason I've got gray,
3: you know, that's awesome. White Rocket, White Rocket is fantastic. And, you know, there was a reason why he kept on wanting to add shows and he just had to start his own network because he outgrew he- us. Yeah, he literally outgrew us.
4: Absolutely, yeah. He was bulging at the seams. So, mm-hmm.
3: and you know, it's it's proud for me because he's another one who started on ESO Network. Yeah. And sure. you know, and So I feel like the proud papa. So it's, good. <laughs> you know, it it's pretty cool. Um, my shout out, real quick, uh, for those who are, of course, patrons of the ESO Network. Big notice that the ESO board silly. Episode eight has come out. So we get to talk about our Thanksgiving plans this time. And, oh, it was fun. We get to find out what Kevin really does with the tofurkey. So it's pretty. Oh,
6: no.
4: Oh,
3: yes. No. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Is there a
7: parental warning?
3: (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's just scary. I don't know. no. No. Tofurky is that's a that's a disgusting. whole different episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's just that's a whole we 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 went into it yesterday on that episode, oh, so, and God. that's available exclusive to our patrons. And you too could become a patron of the ESO Network for only as little as twenty five cents a week. And all you have to do is go to Patreon dot com slash ESO Network. Not so bad there, folks. Join you might again- you might
7: want to add um, to give them some free turkey, some real turkey after that episode, since our patrons.
3: Just well, saying. it, you know, <laughs> his wife, Felicity, who's the mayor of chicken town is vegetarian and he is pescatarian, so they don't do meat. So they do turkey every year and it's like, I feel bad for them, but you God know, bless
8: them. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. I know it's, it's kind of frightening, but they do it and it's, you know, what they do and yeah. Go with him. Exactly. Go go with him. Go with him. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't say say anything. We were giggling (laughs) at him. Yes. (laughs) He thought we were laughing with him, but we were laughing at him. No, (laughs) no. So it's okay. Speaking of laughing at him, we're going to be back again next week. And this time, Mary actually is going to still be with us because we are going to be doing our 2020 holiday gift guide, an annual tradition here on the our station one podcast and it should be a lot of fun to see what kind of geeky gifts we can come out with this year. You know, if you know, you're going to be shopping during a pandemic or not, you know, are you going to do all your shopping online or are you going to yep. support it? Yep. Yep. Oh.
7: Yep. Yep.
3: So That answered everyone's question. Right everybody there.
7: copies yep. of pandemic this year. That's all. all right. everyone's getting. <laughs>
3: I'm going to give everyone a little bit of taste of Corona.
6: No, so
3: <laughs> so give you know, but that that would just be rotten. No, that's no. what not we're going to talk about next week. No. But join us for all the fun. It should be a really good episode. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at www.nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music. So all you have to do is go, hey, Alexa, play the Earth Station One podcast on Amazon Music.
7: You bastard.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yes, we aren't that proud. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Mary Ogle, and Darren Noel, thanks for listening again to the Earth Station One podcast. We'll see you here next time. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, peace, and try to remain calm about everything, folks. Take it easy. Bye. And we're
6: done.
3: You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Our Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. You become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done.